Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. I'm not going to tell you that Nick Swain has the toughest job in Idaho education, but I'm not not going to tell you that either. Swain started on August 1st as president of North Idaho College in Coeur d'Alene. And if you've been reading anything in Idaho Ed News over the past year, you know that NIC is facing a host of issues. Its accreditation is in question. Several key administrators have left in the past few months. Enrollment is down, as it is at many community colleges around the country. And to cap it off, there's still infighting on the Board of Trustees and another round of trustee elections coming up in just over two months. So I had the chance to visit with Swain over Zoom earlier this week to talk about the job, why he took it, and what he sees as the upside at NIC. Here's our conversation. Well, President Swain, thank you for making the time here. I know it's only uh, day 12 on your new job, so I, I definitely appreciate you making the time so early on to talk about uh, about your position at NIC. So I think it's fair to ask the question that I think a lot of people probably have at this point. Considering everything that's gone on at NIC over the past few months, why did you want to be president up there? Yeah, um, NIC is a, so number one, I grew up in Moscow. Yes. Uh, graduated from Moscow High School and University of Idaho. Um, and and when I graduated, um, NIC uh, was definitely a, a school that a lot of my friends um, wanted to attend. Um, it had, uh, I, I think, I think the the fact that I ninety five was so bad then, uh, or not I ninety five, but uh, state state sure. road ninety five mm-hmm. yeah. was was so bad that um, th- that it wasn't easy to get to. So it held this mystique. It was it was um, up by the lake and, um, and and all that. So I've I've always had sort of even though I didn't attend fond memories of um, North Idaho College and and many of my friends uh, from high school. That, that went on to attend North Idaho College and went on to great successes in, in their lives uh, attended. And so when the opportunity to take over the, the presidency came up, um, it fit with um, where I wanted to go professionally at the time. And it, and it was also this this place that um, I held pretty in, in pretty high regard. So um, the you know some of the, the 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 stuff that was going on behind the scenes that 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 um, it, it just it, it honestly doesn't matter to me. I mean that's it's a it's a great school, a great place, um, serves the community, and um, and we've got great faculty, and um, and so it was a it was a good fit for me. What do you think is the biggest opportunity? facing NIC. And we'll, we'll talk about the challenges, but I want to start with the opportunity end of it. So the, the, they're, they go together. Um, uh, I, so I think the, the college is a great place to work. And an indication of that is we have a lot of employees that have been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and over this past year, um, I, I think many, some related to the to the, the the governance issues, some just it was time to retire and they were part of the, the great resignation um, and, and others because they were looking for career opportunities 
Um, uh, uh, so many, there, several senior leaders left. Um, and I think that that creates a, a huge opportunity for us to do things differently. Um, and in, in a higher ed, sometimes convincing, you know, the, um, I don't know, the, the, convincing folks that have been in place for a long time to do things differently. Humans don't like to change the way they have done things. And so having, um, having a, a, a bit of a turnover um, creates a, a, some real opportunities to do things differently, try new things, um, really incorporate some some innovative processes that I think um, I've seen work at other places. I think will work here, um, you know, with a with a bit of a twist. So I think that's probably our, one of our biggest opportunities. Um, and and uh, have you been on campus? Not for a long time. Um, I, you know, this is I. There may be more beautiful campuses on in the United States, but I can't. I won't try to identify them. No, um, I mean, we have the lake on one. We have we have beachfront property on on from the lake on one side, and riverfront property um, on the other side. And and the the campus is kind of like triangular shape. So two out of three sides are are um, are bounded by water. And and I I think just the the green trees and beautiful facilities. Are, I mean, it makes it a, a wonderful destination for people that um, that that are are looking for to study in a place where there's some aesthetic beauty as well. Um, and I, you know, if I, I can't believe they're not more out-of-state students because the the mountains, the trails, the water um, are just incredible opportunities, and a lot of students like that kind of outdoor. Opportunities, so there, the the opportunities are, are are incredible here. But there are issues, obviously, that have uh, unfolded over these past few months. And let me start with the accreditation issue. I mean, what's the status uh, on accreditation right now, and, and how serious is the jeopardy uh, of losing accreditation at this point? Um, well, I I don't. Uh, I, I, I don't want to, nor am I allowed to predict that outcome. <laughs> no. the, uh, we've we've all kind of been asked to be very careful about that. So, um, but I, I think if there were, um, and I'm I'm actually looking at this now. If I, there, are, I think five action items that that the accrediting body asked us to to address. Um, one of them is you know, and and, and these are not things that are that people normally associate with accreditation issues. I, mm-hmm. I've addressed this uh, a number of times in the past couple of it's, days. It's governance, it's leadership turnover. It's Yeah, but but right and it's and, not academics and, necessarily. It's not right. So so the problem is and th- this goes to a, a, you know another challenge is that um, in most people are familiar with K12 and K-12 accreditation issues. And so when your school, when, you know, your, if your kids or your grandkids are in high school um, and they are accredited with warning, what does that mean? It means that their, their, their academics are not mm-hmm. up to snuff. They're not, the students are not passing their standardized tests at the rate that the state says they should. Um, and so that is what 
people associate with issues of accreditation. Um, but that's not what our issue is. Um, our, our issue is with board governance, um, kind of faculty freedom. Um, you know, there, there are just a bunch of things that, um, uh, that, that are not typical for, um, for, to be considered, but people don't differentiate. I mean, I, I have this, this story that I've shared a couple of times. I, I went into the, a local grocery store that has a, uh, a coffee shop inside and a young man behind the counter said, um, saw my hat and said, Oh, do you work at NIC? I said, yeah. He said, what, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the, I'm the president. And, um, and he said, oh, first, he says, Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but the second thing he said was I, I took a biology class there last, you know, a year ago, maybe a semester ago. Um, but I haven't been back because of the accreditation and I want to make sure my credits transfer, have you got that fixed yet? And I, and I said, well, um, it's day three for me. So no. Um, and, and that, and, but, but from a larger perspective, it was never that the, those credits are absolutely going to transfer. Um, that's not the issue, at, but he didn't know that. And my guess is, that's kind of the example of most people very familiar with accreditation are familiar with the K-12 issues in standardized testing. And, and that, that is not us. Um, and I met with Scott Green, the president of U of I uh, last Tuesday, I want to say. And, um, and he said, Nick, I, 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 will, I will take every student that you can send to us. Um, your, your, uh, academic performance of, of North Idaho College has never been in question. And in fact, our, uh, our attendance is down this fall because we're not getting enough transfer students from North Idaho College. So send us all that you can, um, you know, work on getting your recruitment um, programs up to snuff again so that you're graduating more students in, in, with associate's degrees and sending them to Idaho because we need them. And so I know you're- I think those are really positive messages that um, that we need to get out there because uh, it, that is that is not what people think about when they think about accreditation. And I know, and you mentioned it before that you're trying to you know, fill some of these uh, senior positions, try to figure out an approach to fill those those positions. So you've got the turnover issues, you've got the governance issues. Are those, I don't want to say they're easy to fix, but relative to trying to fix academic issues that, that could jeopardize accreditation? Uh, um, well, I, I'm, this is day 12. I'm not going to say that they're going to be easy to fix. Um, but, but I will tell you that my, um, my approach to, uh, you know, as you go out and you're kind of like turning over rocks and talking to people and saying, okay, what, what's going on? The list of things that that I think I need to work on keeps getting longer. Um, but in every case, including um, uh, you know, there's there there are questions about organizational structure. Um, do we have a, a single uh, vice president slash provost, or do we have two vice presidents? There's there's issues. Um, you know, the the board, a couple of folks on the board like the one one person that's in charge of both. Um, academic affairs and student affairs. Um, I don't. I don't have a strong preference, 
But um, when I, in talking to faculty and staff and other senior leaders, some of them feel that that decision was, was um, I don't know, forced on them, but, mm -hmm. um, but imposed, maybe imposed on them without a lot of uh, collaborative input. And so, um, so, so that takes some, some, a little bit of backing out and saying, okay, well, I understand. I, I thought it was kind of settled. I get here, I find out maybe not. Um, and so that's where there's a, a level of complexity that um, when you work in the higher ed, you, you, ha you have to bring the faculty on board. You have to bring the staff on board. You have to bring the other administrators on board. They've got to be part of that decision. And so we're gonna do that. We're gonna do it very accelerated. Um, uh, I think our our meeting, we're, I said, we're gonna meet on the 8th of September. On the 8th of September, come ready, um, bring your ideas, but leave your, um, you, you know, don't don't wear your your feelings on your sleeves because mm -hmm. at, in, in, in one, start with, I said, schedule two hours, but I'm gonna lock the door and you can leave when we're done. <laughs> Joking, right. somewhat joking, um, but but we're gonna identify the structure that everyone can live with. Um, you may not love it, but you can live with it. Um, we're gonna identify job descriptions for those individuals, um, and we're gonna identify search committees for those positions, and we're gonna move forward. And and we're gonna do that in one meeting. Where it's, it, I can't afford to string this out for a, a year or two, so. Um, we've identified five, five faculty, five folks from student services and, and the five and the deans. Um, and, and we're going to, no one has complained. Uh, no one has said that's impossible. Um, everyone has really come at that with a, okay, not the way we would normally do things, but they understand things are not normal right now. And, and they're, they're all. They all seem very willing to get on board and and work under that kind of a constraint. And I, you know, is that optimal? Is that, it's not the way I would normally want to do things, but um, the fact that all three of those groups, the, the faculty, student affairs, and administrator deans um, are willing to, to participate, get on board and make that happen, it, I, I think is again, another opportunity um, they are really willing to work together. So, another challenge is enrollment. As fall semester approaches, what are the numbers looking like? Well, so <laughs> uh, we have been in a, um, in a in a very consistent pattern of, I'd say, I, I haven't I haven't gone back beyond uh, 2017, but just based on anecdotal evidence and people. Conversations where I'm, I'm trying to pull the data, but three to six, seven percent decline every year, year over year, which is not inconsistent with community colleges around the yeah, country. Right. Um, however, in many community, in many communities where there are community colleges, you, you can almost explain the falling enrollment by falling population. Mm -hmm. and, and ours is ours. The student population is not growing dramatically, but it is. It has gone up over the past four years and our enrollment has gone down. And so um, I, I spoke, you know, in, in Virginia, there are 23 community colleges. I'm really good friends with three of the presidents um, and they all share the same advice. It's not gonna be one thing. Um, it's gonna be constant work. 
um, that community colleges in general around this around the country have become were sort of complacent that when the economy was down they always did better um, and um, and everybody was kind of just treating the students as if they were attending a um, a small four year program that only lasted for two years and so you had classes from ten to two on Monday Wednesday and Friday and um, and that's that's not our population now. And so again, it's, it's a, it's a lot of little things, updating our website, making um, transactions easier, registrations, re registration transactions, um, payment transactions, um, advising transactions, all those kind of transactional relationships that have to happen, making those as easy as possible um, so that you can do them on a cell phone reliably um, and and make you know and and accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Um, those kinds of things align, making sure that um, you know re reflecting on our curriculum and making sure that it is really tightly aligned with the four years. Um, because what we don't want to do is have somebody graduate and they, you know they they're accepted. It's all great. They're they get junior status, but then really if there's a if there's a deficit of a, a sophomore level course that they didn't get here and they end up taking it down there, then they're sort of disappointed in, in our performance. So we, you know, those are all things we got to fix. Financial aid, scholarships, you know, giving out scholarships very strategically as a way of um, recruiting and retaining students. Um, all those systems exist, um, but they're not always pointing in the same direction and strategic. It, and so pulling all that together, I, I've told everybody in all those cases, We've got until December to get that fixed. So and I, no one has, um, no one has complained. I mean, they all realize that we can't keep going at six percent declining enrollment. So, so, so at the macro level, you've got to fix systems, structures, and bring it in line with what students are looking for. But at the micro level, I'm thinking about that uh, that barista at Starbucks that you talked about a few minutes ago. You've got to convince at the micro level that member of your community that this is a good place to go, a good investment. Uh, yeah. Yep. Easy, right? <laughs> well, you, you've been on the job twelve days, so, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, those are those are big challenges, but I think, in in many ways, um, not unique across the country. Right. Um, and so, I I think that's also important to get out there is that, um, yeah, we you know we've got a lot of work to do. We're not alone in that. And a lot of a, a lot of community colleges have just kind of let things go the way they've always been going, and and that's not working right now. And so um, again, back to the opportunity um, to make change, I think is really uh, valid. And it's an interesting point you're making that uh, maybe as a sector, community colleges went into the pandemic with the assumption of it's a downturn, students will come, they always have. But, yep. but this was a different one and maybe different expectations from students. Well, and also something that is different is, um, you know, I don't know, you drive around in your in your community, there's a help wanted sign in front of every every yep. establishment. Mm -hmm. And so um, when uh, like 2019, 20, before the pandemic, minimum wage was seven fifty an hour. I mean, legitimately, minimum wage was seven fifteen an hour. That's what if you went to work at McDonald's or, or you know, any of the fast food restaurants or any kind of entry level, 
you were making seven fifty an hour. What are those kids making now? Fourteen, fifteen, yeah. Eighteen. Oh, oh, the McDonald's here. Uh, I just drove by. It's eighteen bucks an hour starting salary, and they'll pay um, college tuition um, as well. So, um, so that that's the also the new reality is that we're. I don't know what happened. I mean, what happened to our workforce? Where did they all go? And I I, I have some. You know, you can ask me this question. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what my hypothesis is. But um, the, the workforce vaporized. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, okay. there's uh, we used to be at full employment and not have all these job postings. Now we're at you know three percent unemployment, and and we're still not able to fill all the jobs. So um, so we're competing with that. If if you can graduate from high school and make twenty bucks an hour at McDonald's. What's our argument that you should no don't do that come to come to community college, and I'd say the argument is try to buy a house. You know, if you're a parent um, and your child is working at McDonald's and, and instead of going to school, that's great. They can they can earn summer income, but um, they're not going to be able to move out of your house at at that price anymore because everything has gone up in price. Um, and, and locally, I, uh, I I found out our local Caterpillar folks are training people to be, and they're going to get a, a Caterpillar training certificate. Um, high school graduates, no no experience, are starting at Caterpillar at 38 bucks an hour. Now, I haven't verified this, but th- I, I have it on pretty reasonable um, um, information that 38 bucks an hour to start because they're so desperate for diesel mechanics and people that can go out and repair the equipment. So, I mean, 38 bucks an hour is pretty darn good. That's $70,000 a year if you're working full time. Um, so, so those are, that's, that's what we're competing. So aside from all the other issues about, you know, the, the kind of um, barriers that we are, that, that we have put in place or not taken down um, for enrollment and participation, we're also now competing with everything from you know McDonald's on the low end at twenty bucks an hour to um, folks like Caterpillar that are paying you know almost forty dollars an hour. Forty dollars an hour is pretty decent income for yeah. a high school graduate, and, and a real deterrent uh, to uh, to the case that you're trying to make the value proposition that you're trying to make about That's college. Right. That's right. Now you're not you're not necessarily. What, what I think in the long run. People are going to find out that sometimes when you're trained by a company that is not accredited, then those do, that, that that certificate is not necessarily portable. Mm-hmm. Caterpillar, you, you might have you know if you've got a certificate of training from Caterpillar, um, that that might carry more weight than you know uh, that than the you know some local guy that just yeah, there, gives you a certificate a that he printed out on. There are a lot of Caterpillars oh, around in the yeah. around the country. So uh, we've talked a lot about the defense that you've got to play right now, whether it's accreditation or en- enrollment or, or governance. When you get to play offense on this job, what do you want to do to make a market at NIC? Well, so we've been um, um, I, I, so my my goal is to that uh, is to get to six thousand students, and and so um, my my defense goes through December offense starts in January. Okay. Um, and, and that's where we're going to, we're going to fix as many. And, and I've, I've told people when you, when I say fix that, that 
it, it may be an iterative process. Get the big stuff fixed. It doesn't have to be perfect quite yet. We'll continue to work on that in the future, but we've got to have substantive progress made by December because we're going to come out swinging with the, um, the, the new North Idaho College and how we're going to compete in our market and, and, and start making a, a big difference there. Um, I, I talked to our, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that we can do. Um, the Chronicle of Higher Ed came out with a, another uh, report recently that even in community colleges, the, the percentage of male students is continuing to decline. And so um, when I look around at, at some of the stuff that's here on campus, um, we can make a difference in that. Um, and, and so uh, not at the expense of supporting female students, but how do we attract male students to come to, um, not instead of? And, and so, uh, so those, are, those are things that we've got to do to get our, our enrollment up. Um, and, and we've got to do a better job of being responsive to our community um, and, and really um, looking at um, s small changes that we can make that, that make some of our existing programs more attractive. So December is kind of a pivot point for you. And, and I understand, I mean, that, that's only four months away. So you've got a lot to do in the next four months. But in between now and December, you've got another election. You've got you know, three trustee races up for grabs. And I understand that at least two of the new appointees have indicated that they're not planning to run again unless they've changed their mind since spring. There will be different faces on the board of trustees, whether the ideology is different than what it is right now. How do you plan for that future knowing that you have to work with the board of trustees and, you know, who knows who, who that's going to be and what their perspective might be? Uh, yeah, and, and in some ways, I am at this point trying to not spend a whole lot of time worrying about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think my, my job is addressing the, the defense, fixing the systems that are, that, that are not where they need to be and preparing an offense. And, and I think that um, that ought to be, regardless of the politics of the, uh, who's on the board or what their stance is, um, those are those are things that are going to be good for North Idaho College and good for the community, um, and I think that's really what's the important the, the important piece of it. Um, and you know, our our meetings might be different. Um, I, I might get different direction, different things to do, um, different guidance from the board. That, that's okay, um, but I think the core elements are, um, and I, I I think all sides. Are, are interested in doing the right thing for the community, doing the right thing for the students, um, and, and, uh, and, and getting things going in the right direction. So I, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to worry about that yet. <laughs> fair, fair enough. President Swain, I appreciate you making the time here. Um, perhaps uh, sometime after December, we can uh, check back in, get you back on and see how this is all working out. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks. Bye. Again, that was Nick Swain, the new president at North Idaho College in Coeur d'Alene. Really busy week on our website at idahoednews.org. A lot of news to catch up on. Let's hit some of the headlines. It's back to school time at the K-12 level, and that means that the teacher shortage, the staff shortage, a topic we've been writing a lot about these past few weeks, that whole issue is really coming to a head right now. Carly Flandro has up-to-date numbers on 
the vacancies and talks to administrators from around the state about how this is going at the local level. It's back to school time at the higher education level as well. Boise State University President Marlene Trump delivered her annual State of the University address on Wednesday. I was there to cover it. Trump talked about some record numbers in terms of research dollars and philanthropic contributions, and she predicted that in-state enrollment may be trending upward this fall. At Idaho State University, President Kevin Satterley delivered his address to the university community and outlined his plans to turn Idaho State into a carbon-neutral campus. Carly has our story on that. It's election season. August 30th is a big election day all over the state with a number of big-ticket bond issues and levies. Devin Bodkin has all of the numbers and all of the elections uh, full roundup. You can find that at idahoednews.org. It's also election season in Boise. School board elections are coming up on September 6th. I take a deeper dive into what the candidates are saying about critical race theory and about book bans. Speaking of books, wild hearing in Meridian Wednesday night as library officials are coming under fire from critics who are complaining that materials in the library are pornographic and inappropriate for kids. Sadie Dittenberg has our coverage of that hearing. Last but not least, is the legislature coming back to town in the next couple weeks, few weeks? Signs are pointing to that possibility. I take a look at what uh, that might mean and how that might play out in terms of tax policy and, and whether or not it might have any effect on education. All of those stories at idahoednews.org. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Idaho Ed News. We tweet out links to our latest stories and bulletins on breaking news. You can follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back next week for another podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.